Let us worship the eternal God, the source of love and life who creates us. Let us worship Jesus Christ, the risen one who lives among us. Let us worship the Spirit, the holy fire who renews us. To the one true God be praise in all times and places through the grace of Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The peace of Christ be with you. And also with you. The proof of God's amazing love is this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Trusting in God's faithfulness and compassion, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Oh. 
Since we have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received reconciliation. Jesus went through 
all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. turn this morning to Genesis chapter 18, the first 15 verses. Listen then for the voice of God. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. And Abraham looked up and saw three men standing there. And when he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, If I've found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so that you can be refreshed, and then, then go on your way now that you've come to your servant. Very well, they answered. Do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three seahs of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. And then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had to been prepared and set these before them. And while they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Where is your wife, Sarah? They asked him. There in the tent, he said. Then the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now, Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. And Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing, so... Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, Yeah, after I'm worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have his pleasure? And then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at this appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. 
Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the Netflix series, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee, Jerry Seinfeld drives some sort of exotic car to pick up a comedian. They drive around talking about comedy and then continue their conversation over a cup of coffee. That's it. Each episode is about 15 minutes long, and I find them as addictive as Garrett's cheese and caramel popcorn. In one episode in Chicago, Jerry picks up comedian and talk show host Steve Harvey in a 1957 black Chevy Bel Air convertible with red and silver interior and a big rumbling V8. They drive around the city and end up having coffee at Manny's Delicatessen and Cafeteria on South Jefferson. And when they sit down over coffee, Jerry asks whether or not comedy can be taught. Is it teachable? Steve Harvey shakes his head and says, Nah, man, if you explain it to them, it will make no sense. This is the most senseless profession on earth. I was born with this eyeball that sees things different. Because tragedy strikes. I got news for you. We have the jokes that night. Now, we know that we can't bring them to the public yet because we'll get hammered, but in a room, alone, when it's just us, we have the jokes already. Listen to me, man. Comedy is the one profession that is non-transferable. Comedians can become great actors, but actors can't become great comedians. I love that. He pointed at the center of his forehead and says, I was born with this eyeball that sees things different. Without that third eye that sees the world slant, sees the absurdity, sees the incongruity, sees the inappropriate, sees the illogical, sees the impossible, without that, there's no comedy. Now... That extra eye is also a curse. Many comedians are angsty wrecks who carry a lot of pain. But from there, they see things that just don't add up, and thus the jokes. And you can't teach that. And by the way, I think the same might be true for preaching. I don't know if you can preach without a third eye. Sarah was in the shadows of the tent doorway when she heard one of the visitors say, about this time next year, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And my guess is that she rolled her eyes and thought, not again. Not this crazy business about having a child. 
The lines in her face were carved in disappointment from the troubles in Egypt and all that mess with Hagar and Ishmael. She'd heard this same nonsense better than 25 years earlier, and she had buried that hope. She was dry and barren. Her time had passed, and to talk about it was like tearing off a scab. But this time, when she was just about to push down the pain and wipe away a familiar tear, she chuckled instead. Because after all, it was no use crying. It was impossible. It was no use trying. She was old and he was older. It was no use hoping. It was ridiculous. So something rumbled deep down in her belly, worked its way up, and before she knew it, Sarah was laughing until tears squirted out of the wrinkled corners of her eyes and ran down her leathery old face. She was going to have a son. Now that's a good one. Dear friends, for a moment there, Sarah had the third eye of a comedian. The idea of a woman in her 90s having a baby was not congruous with reality. It didn't match the known world, and it tickled her funny bone. It should also be noted that when God told Abraham that at 100 he would father a child, Abraham fell face down in the dirt and guffawed. This central story of God picking one family to work out his way and will, to give a land and the promise of children, to be their God and they God's people, this one central story is born in laughter, as if God was a cosmic comic. But here's the thing. The Bible is chock full of incongruities and therefore chock full of chuckles. Over and over again, normal is disrupted by abnormal. A baby is born to a barren old woman. A virgin gives birth to a son. God becomes man and is nailed to a cross. A dead man is resurrected. Your sins are forgiven and you're free. The very Spirit of God is in you. Jesus is coming back over and over in Scripture. The status quo is unhinged by the unbelievable. And yet we're asked to believe, have faith, keep hope, and, and hold your laughter. This is serious business. And I guess if you don't see the absurdity, if this all makes sense, if it fits nicely into a system, if it seems normal, if you think God is somehow keeping score and our efforts at piety tip the scales, then you've missed the punchline. Because the hope of the gospel is that this world of trouble and terror, of politics and pandemic, of racism and refugee, of cancer and depression, this world of sublime joy and unspeakable horror 
will finally and fully find meaning, transformation, and healing through God in Christ. And a lot of days, dear friends, that hope feels incongruous with the reality that we experience. And maybe faith is more akin to laughter than we realize. Does that seem too much? Does that seem too cynical, too overstated, too jaded? Walter Brueggemann puts it this way. Faith is not a reasonable act which fits into the normal scheme of life and perception. The promise of the gospel is not a conventional piece of wisdom that is easily accommodated to everything else. Embrace of the radical gospel requires shattering and discontinuity. Abraham and Sarah have by this time become accustomed to their barrenness. They are resigned to their closed future. They have accepted that hopelessness is normal. The gospel promise does not meet them in receptive hopefulness, but in resistant hopelessness. And indeed, if no new thing can intrude, if newness must be conjured from present resources, then the promise is truly nonsensical. So can we live with a faith that is rooted in nonsense? Can we live with a faith of incongruity? Because our fear, like Abraham and Sarah's, is that such a faith would only be wishing on a star, grasping after thin air, and wasting our lives on a flimsy hope. Our fear is that such a faith is only a festival for fools or a crutch for the weak. But listen again to the text. The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? To answer that there are some things that lay beyond God would be to circumscribe God to human expectations and human possibilities, and finally that would be no God at all just a shadow of our own making. And yet, if there are no endings, no dead ends, no limits, no boundaries, no chains of normal, then God is free to be God. And if God is beyond our constructions, then our faith isn't in normal, it's in newness. Our faith isn't in possibility. It's in impossibility. Our faith isn't in sensibility. It's in incongruity. Our faith isn't in reason. Our faith is in God. Our faith isn't in death. It's in resurrection. And it's out of that faith that we would live over against 
the dominant narrative of our culture. We live with a different punchline. We live with a third eye. Frederick Beekner writes it this way. Is it possible, I wonder, to say that it is only when you hear the gospel as a wild and marvelous joke that you really hear it at all? Heard as anything else, the gospel is the church's thing, the preacher's thing, the lecturer's thing. Heard as a joke, high and unbidden and ringing with laughter. It can only be God's thing. Thanks be to God. Amen. Dear God, you are our creator. We thank you for your creation. We thank you for the good weather this week, 
that helped us to see the beauty of your creation. Many of us were able to get outside to feel the spring turn into summer. Thank you for that. It is graduation season, Lord. Thank you for years of school for those graduating kindergarten, eighth grade, high school, and everything in between and beyond. It was a difficult school year for many, having to change to e-learning, including students, teachers, and parents. We thank you for bringing everyone through to the end. Be with those who recently graduated or are graduating soon as they transition to a new stage or a new chapter. We thank you for the years of good work for the teachers and others who are retiring this summer. We pray for good health, Lord, for a speedy recovery for those in church who are sick. We pray especially for Waltley Altenhoff, who had a successful heart procedure, for Charlie Weirs, who was learning how to manage diabetes, and for Ellen Lubbers, who ended up back in the hospital this week. We pray, too, for those who are sick or hurting that are not mentioned here. We also pray for those who have COVID-19 or those who are recovering from COVID-19. We are thankful that the numbers in Illinois are going down, but we know that it is going up in other states and other countries. Help our leaders know how to best contain the coronavirus. As the infection risk goes down, help us to know the best way to get back to regular life. We also pray for those whose jobs have been affected by COVID-19. Help us continue to care for each other, both with health concerns and those with job concerns. We thank you for stability in this time and pray for reconciliation. We can always turn to you with our troubles and worries. Thank you for the strength you provide in this time of trouble and everything you've done for us. Amen. And now go in peace. Go to love God and to love neighbor, to serve God and to serve neighbor. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his light upon you and give you peace, now and forevermore. Amen. <laughs>